0: Hey, what's up? Welcome to another edition of Canucks Talk here on Sportsnet 6.50. No drants today, just me, Jamie Dodd here. For the next couple of hours on a Canucks game day, Canucks Talk brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Be a champion on the worksite. Find them together online at D-L-E-A-M-C dot com. I am coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech! Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet? What are you waiting for? 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. A bit of a lonely day here around the uh, Sportsnet 650 studios. No drance. Another snow day around the city. Canberra's not here, but I got my guys, producer Elon, basketball Ben. We're holding it down. The three of us who really care about this station, really take our work seriously. We're here. We're here to bring you the content today on a Canucks game day. A little bit later on in the show, Randy Janda, uh, Canucks color analyst here on Sportsnet 650. He'll join the show. I'll get his thoughts on uh, tonight's game against the Coyotes. This homestand coming up. What the Canucks should or should not do at the trade deadline in uh, less than two months now. away, March 8th, the trade deadline. Uh, Also, Steve Peters, Coyotes analyst uh, for PHNX Sports. He will join us at 1 o'clock to fill us in on how the Coyotes season has been going. You'll hear from Rick Tockett at some point in the show as well, his commentary ahead of the Canucks taking on the Arizona Coyotes at Rogers Arena tonight. But as always, drance, no drance, as always, let's start with the whiteboard. (music) All right now, fellas, Hey, let's focus up, huh? It is your daily deep dive into what's up with the Canucks for today, January 18th. Starting with the headlines, the headlines tonight, Canucks begin a five-game homestand hosting... The Arizona Coyotes, and look, Drance and I have talked a lot about it. You know, you look at this segment of the schedule, Arizona, Toronto, Chicago, St. Louis, Columbus. Not exactly a murderer's row. Not that there's, you know, no danger. They're going to run the table guaranteed, but you can see how it's a bit of a softer segment of the schedule for this team. You know, I will say the Coyotes, if you haven't been paying attention and, you know, they haven't played the Canucks yet, so it's understandable that they're flying a little bit uh, below your radar here. Uh, Coyotes have been surprisingly plucky this year. They are in the playoff mix. They're over 500. They just barely have a positive goal differential. You know, they're not a powerhouse by any stretch, but if you're used to just kind of looking at the Coyotes on the schedule and kind of saying, oh, okay, this is one of the least talented least dangerous teams in the NHL. That's not the case anymore. This is a team that can win games that you have to be sharp against. Well-coached team. They've got a really good goalie in net as well in Connor Ingram, who will start for the Coyotes tonight. He has been excellent this season. And, you know, looking at beyond this game, not just this one against the Coyotes, but this next run of five games, you know, spaced out here, lots of practice time, going into the All-Star break. Talkett spoke yesterday about how important he thought this stretch was going to be for his team, and, you know, how much he could learn from his team and their mentality based on their performance and the process they do uh, in these next five games. And you start to think about it, you know, they just got back from this road trip, 5-1-1, one and one, played really really well got the results you got to feel good about yourself you come home you have a couple days to rest it's right before the all-star break so you can kind of you can see that rest that week off not for everyone a bunch of them have to go play in toronto but for a lot of them that stretch off you can see it right there just on the horizon getting closer you can feel it Only one real marquee game against the Leafs on Saturday. A lot of other kind of, you know, opponents that might be difficult to really lock in against. You can kind of understand how the team's focus could flag here, right? It wouldn't be the most shocking thing in the world if that were to happen. Now, Talkit obviously doesn't want to see that. And he actually sees the fact that there is that potential pitfall as, you know, an opportunity for the Canucks to prove that they're more mature than that. And Talkit said yesterday... He's confident the team will be able to handle all those challenges, right? The, you know, the threats to focus that do exist over these next five games before the All-Star break at home. And, you know, frankly, he should be confident about that. This is a team that really has met those tests pretty consistently this year. They haven't fallen in to any of these trap sections of the schedule. You know, we talk so much about the shape of the schedule and schedule losses, and, ooh, this one's going to be surprisingly tricky because, you know, maybe you're, you're you're looking ahead to the next game or it's three and four nights or whatever it is. The Canucks have avoided that. They haven't lost more than two games in a row at any point this season. So that doesn't mean they're going to be perfect. That doesn't mean they're going to be flawless in this next stretch of five games. But as Talkett said, as much as he's curious to see how they handle it, how they react – To the challenges. And yeah, you love that there's more practice time and you get some chance to rest and be at home, but with that comes challenges. That's the point Talkett's making. And as much as he's curious to see how they handle all of that, there's also plenty of reason, based on their track record this season, to think that they will be up to the task, right? That the leadership group, they have the maturity, they've learned the staples, the habits, all of that, all of what Talkett has been preaching to a sufficient level to keep them on track through this segment and go into the all-star break, continuing this high. Because that's really what we want to see, right? Everyone was so excited about that performance on the road trip, myself included. I'm starting to really look at this team as contenders now. We'll talk about more about that and what that means in the broadsheet in just a second. Don't give anyone a reason to doubt. Don't give anyone a reason to get off the bandwagon. Keep the good times rolling. You have an opportunity to do that here if you can m- maintain your focus In the next five games. That's what I'm going to be watching for starting tonight against the Arizona Coyotes Uh, to the broadsheet. And man, there's just a lot to get into today. We might have to save some of it for a little bit later on in the show. But, you know, we've been accustomed to the Canucks being at the center of the NHL discussion over the last couple of seasons for a lot of the wrong reasons. Right? Whether it was Bruce Boudreau, or you go back even further to the end of the Jim Benning era, the JT Miller trade conversations, the Bohorvat trade conversations, whatever it is. There's been a lot of noise, not all of it positive. Most of it not positive around the Vancouver Canucks over the last couple of seasons. Now we're in the stage where really they are one of the, if not the most positive surprise story of the season. They're up there right near the top of the standings, threatening to win their division, threatening to challenge for the conference regular season title. And as a result, they're kind of back in the spotlight in a pretty significant way around the NHL, but this time for good reasons, right? Because the question is, okay, hey, they're having this incredible season. What are they going to do about it? What are the dominoes that fall from them having this fantastic season so far through this point? Some interesting commentary from insiders and from uh, Canucks hockey executives today on that matter. And First, Elliot Friedman, who was on the Jeff Merrick Show. We'll hear a clip from him a little bit later on in the show or maybe even in this segment. But first on this point, you know, talking about what the Canucks, what to expect the Canucks should, will do going into the trade deadline. Friedman says, I don't think Rutherford's going to sit on his hands. I think he's going to do something. He also goes on to add, when he thinks he can win, he being Rutherford, he doesn't rest. So that's some Elliot Friedman saying, look, Based on Rutherford's track record, based on this team's performance, expect him to go out and do something. He's not the kind of guy to sit on his hands when he has a team of this caliber. And you know what? We have quotes from Jim Rutherford on exactly this topic. He spoke to Patrick Johnson at PostMedia, article up right now that you can read uh, at the province or the Sun, PostMedia. Here are some of the most relevant quotes from Jim Rutherford about his mindset going into the trade deadline. He's And this is a a kind of a paraphrased quote from the article by PJ. If you think your team is a move or two away from really stepping into the league's elite tier, find a way to do it, Rutherford says. And don't be afraid of not coming out on top in the end. That's the key part at the end. Don't be afraid of not coming out on top in the end. This is absolutely, absolutely 100% the right attitude to have when you have a team that's as good as the Canucks have been this year with this much talent and in the position they are in the standings at this point of the calendar. You cannot go in with a scared mentality. Oh, no, what if we make a trade and we lose? When you have a chance to win the cup, a legitimate chance to win the cup, you have to take it. And look, is there risk? Yeah, of course there is. But literally every strategy, every decision you can make as an executive in the NHL has risk. There is no risk-free way to build a Stanley Cup winner. And people point to the Bruins last year having this historic regular season. They make some big moves at the trade deadline. They go out in the first round. And yeah, that's a brutal way for their season to end after making those big additions. But so what? What? So, no team's ever supposed to go for it at the trade deadline Trade deadline anymore? Because Brad Marchand missed a breakaway in Game 5 that could have sealed that series? That's supposed to settle the issue? Oh, the Bruins lost! Couldn't possibly trade a first-round pick now. And really, would it have been any different if they had stood pat at the deadline? Did the trades they make cause them to lose that series? Did Tyler Bertuzzi or Dmitry Orlov being on the team, somehow get Brad Marchand so in his head that he missed that breakaway? Come on! I don't buy that argument with the Bruins. I don't buy the chemistry argument at all when it comes to the Bruins. The idea that because they made those trades, it caused them to lose in the first round. Here's the thing. Only one team can win the Cup every year. So you're going to have a lot of teams every year that try different things and lose. You're going to have teams that go all in and lose. You're going to have teams that... Stand pat and lose. You're going to have teams that tinker around the edges and lose. That's the nature of the business. That's the nature of what everyone is trying to do. You're always going to be able to point to any given strategy and say, well, that team tried it and they lost because there's always way more losers than winners. There's 31 losers every year and only one winner. By the way, though, if we are talking about adding... Stanley Cup winner last year went out and traded for Ivan Barbashev. And if you watch the Stanley Cup run that the Vegas Golden Knights went on last year, he was pretty important to it. So I don't buy for a second this idea that all chemistry concerns, oh, the cautionary tale of the Bruins, you couldn't possibly go out and make a big swing at the deadline. Yeah, they lost. Doesn't mean it's going to repeat it in your situation. Look, could the Canucks go out, make a big trade and lose in the first round? Yeah, of course they could. And it will hurt if that happens. If you give up future assets, you go out in the first round, that's tough. But you could also stand Pat and lose in the first round. You could stand Pat, hold your first round pick, lose in the first round, draft a guy in the mid-20s who never does anything for you. Is that going to feel better? Really? Don't act like there's no risk to standing Pat. There's plenty of risk to standing Pat. You might not see it at the time, but there is absolutely risk to looking at an opportunity like the Canucks have – and saying, no, no, not for us. We're going to stand pat. That's a risk just as much, if not more so, than going for it is a risk. And here's the thing. If your goal is simply to minimize risk, to do, never do anything that could backfire, never do anything that has any potential downside, you're never going to build a Stanley Cup winner. You're never going to build a great team with that mentality. You have to be bold. Rutherford's greatest asset as an executive has been understanding that. How often have we talked about his track record in Pittsburgh? He knew what he had with the Pittsburgh Penguins, and he operated exactly correctly. He was aggressive at every deadline. He traded futures, and he had two Stanley Cups at the end of it to show for it. Carolina, same thing. Different situation with the perennial winner, but when the time was right for that team, he went all in, and he got a Stanley Cup ring for it. He understands it. He understands that you can't be scared. You can't operate in fear of what might happen, of the potential downside. Now, look, that doesn't mean you throw assets away willy-nilly. It has to be the right deal, right? It has to be the right deal for the right piece, but you can't be scared. You can't spend all your time fretting. Oh, no, what if we make a trade and then we lose in the first round? Yeah, it could happen. So what? That doesn't mean you can't try to get better. You still have to try to improve your team. Try to improve your chances at the Stanley Cup. Rutherford gets it. I can't wait to see what he does. Now, again, I'm not saying go out willy-nilly. Go out, you have to move your first-round pick this year. We can get into some of the targets that are out there a little bit later in the show, and it's not exactly a super impressive list. And even Jim Rutherford himself, you know, asked by Patrick Johnson in this article post-media, you know, well, you're talking about being aggressive, taking your chances, does that mean adding more players? And Rutherford says, possibly, possibly. You need to see what comes up. That's 100% right too. Needs to be the right player, needs to be the right fit. But if you're looking at the Bruins experience last year and saying, and therefore there's no way the Canucks should go out and add a a player, I don't buy it for a second. And I'm glad to see that Rutherford does not buy it for a second either. All right. As mentioned, Elliot Friedman, uh, as we continue the broadsheet rumor roundup section of the whiteboard today, Elliot Friedman on the Jeff Merrick show is actually Matt Marchese filling in for Jeff Merrick today, talking about the Canucks, talking a little bit about what they might do at the deadline. And also, of course, the big subject of conversation here this week, the Elias Patterson contract uh, negotiations or lack of negotiations, the situation in general. I wanted to play this clip uh, from Elliot because I think it's got a lot of insight into where things stand and the Canucks perspective and what we should maybe expect, not even in terms of negotiations, but just in where the reporting and the commentary on this story is going. Here's Elliot Friedman.
1: Put it this way, like, I don't think the issue here is price. (laughs) Whatever the price is, the Canucks are going to pay it. Um, I I think, you know, it's actually been really interesting. Um, You know, Patrick Alvin, who's usually in the cone of silence, um, has really come out of it in in the last little bit. He did an interview with Dan Murphy uh, in the intermission of one of the games, and there was a really good piece with Ian McIntyre. On Sportsnet.ca, and you know, this is kind of the first time I've I've heard the Canucks say, um, I don't know if the word is frustrated, but clearly they they want their fan base to know that they're ready to do this, and Pedersen isn't now. And so, like, I don't think this is about the money. I I really don't, Matt. I think this is simply as, when is Pedersen ready to do it? And, you know, the the, the one thing I would do, and this is actually me arguing against myself. This is not the kind of argument that I should be making as a reporter. I think it might almost be better. Now that the Canucks have done this, and, you know, I, 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 I like the fact that Alvin did these interviews and was more revealing than he normally tends to be. I would just do full-on blackout. Like, we're not talking about this anymore. Because I think the one thing is is that I I think I understand what they did. They just basically came out and told everyone, we are ready to do this. The thing I think about Pedersen is he doesn't like his name being in the noise. Mm -hmm. Like, he just wants to play. So I think now that the Canucks have talked and said, look, we're ready and we're waiting for him, if I was them, and this is arguing against my own best interests, I would just say, okay, we've done this, done, and the next time you'll hear from us is when there is or isn't a deal. But, and because I, I do think the more Pedersen's name is out there about this stuff, the more uncomfortable he gets.
0: That's Elliot Friedman updating where things stand with uh, with Elias Petterson and the Canucks, and he echoes one a point that I've been making a lot: this isn't going to come down to price, right? this is not going to be a situation where they're haggling over $100,000 of AAV or so to really get this deal done. They're going to offer Elias Petterson whatever it would take to get him to stay here. And that's perfectly fine. I thought the insight into, okay, they've kind of done this publicity blitz. They've gotten their side of things out there. They've, they've made sure everyone knows we're willing to do a deal. We're willing to come to the table, but we need the player to come as well. I thought that was an interesting point. And You know, I think the point about Pedersen not liking his name out there, I mean, in a certain sense, that's inescapable. You're a top player on a team having a lot of success in a Canadian market and you don't have a contract for next season. It's really, really difficult for there not to be conversation around you. It kind of just comes with the territory at that point. Now, having said that, I don't think this has turned into a circus. How many times has Elias Pedersen been asked about this in scrums? Like, once at the beginning of the year? Has he been asked again since then? And there's been opportunities for reporters to bring it up, right? With, you know, Jim Rutherford coming on our station and saying, we want to get a deal done, these recent spate of interviews from hockey execs. Reporters will be more than justified to take these quotes to Elias Pettersson and get his opinion on them. I think what we've seen is Pettersson has made it so well known that he's not interested in talking about it. People have basically just decided, well, there's not even really any point in putting these quotes to him and getting his response. And that's fair. So I understand the perspective. It's p- completely legitimate for Patterson to say, hey, I don't want this out there. I don't want my name in conversation like this that much. At the same time, I think if you're looking at this and saying, oh, it's beca- it's, it's ballooning out of control, it's becoming you know, a distraction for him, I don't think that's the case at all. From what I can tell, and look, I'm not in the room, so I don't know if there's conversations happening off the record or away from the microphone or anything like that, but from what I can tell, on a day-to-day basis, his interactions with the media, they have not been dominated by this. They have not turned into a constant, endless drumbeat of questions about his contract status. But I thought that was interesting perspective, one, about what the Canucks are willing to do in terms of price and maybe a little insight into why we've heard so much from Patrick Alvian and Jim Rutherford recently uh, from Elliott Friedman on the Jeff Merrick Show earlier today. 650-650 is the Dunbar-Lumber text line. Lots of people texting in. People a little concerned. I'm getting too fired up here on uh, 1220 on a Thursday afternoon. I'll dive into the inbox a little bit later. Lineup notes for today. Thatcher Demko starts. Good goalie matchup. Thatcher Demko versus Connor Ingram at Rogers Arena today. No other lineup news to pass along and share at this time. We will play some Rick Talkett audio a little bit later on the show, so we'll see if he has any other insight. But, again, when the team's rolling like it is, right, and you've got this chance to – just gather more information, see if this is the if this lineup is the ideal lineup for you, I would keep it rolling. I'd be a little bit surprised if we do see any lineup changes from what we saw uh, on the road trip for the Canucks. Playoff forecast. Per Dom's model, big threshold here for the Vancouver Canucks that they've crossed today. They've gone from 99% to 100% chance to make the playoffs per the model. 100 Percent. There you go. Take it to the bank. Look, it's been obvious for a long time where this is going. This is purely symbolic, but still 100% chance to make the playoffs per Dom Lucision's model. 57% chance now to win the division. Oilers second to 26%. And you look at it a little bit more closely and you know... They're now finished, projected to finish 10 points ahead of the Golden Knights, right? They're really dipping. They're projected to finish 7 points ahead of the LA Kings. They've been dipping a lot. Like, these are meaningful margins that they're opening up against, you know, teams that were right there neck and neck with them for the division crown for a lot of the season. They've seen their performances flagged. The Canucks have just kept going. They're getting stronger. And if you had asked me back in October when they got off to that incredible start are they going to be? Are we going to be sitting here in January and saying this team's actually improving from where it was early in the season? That would have been difficult to imagine. But credit to the Canucks, credit to Rick Tockett and the players. That's exactly what they've done, especially coming off that really impressive road trip. Final item on the whiteboard: uh, the betting odds. Canucks heavy, heavy minus one ninety five favorites tonight. Per play now sports and you look no real surprise right now I know it's the first game from uh, at home after a road trip but they did have a couple of days off to rest to get some practice in and yeah the Coyotes are a good team they're a plucky team but there's still a massive talent gap and talent differential between these two teams so no surprise whatsoever but I think a mark of respect for just how good the Canucks. Have been that they are still heavy, heavy favorites at home tonight against the Arizona Coyotes. The under at 6.5 is minus 120. So the odds makers saying it's a little more likely that this game goes under than over. Yeah, the Canucks have a lot of offensive firepower, but as mentioned, Connor Ingram has been great for the, Coy- for the Coyotes. We all know how good Thatcher Demko is, so two excellent goalies in net, and you see the under-favored a little bit uh, instead of the over. That is your whiteboard for today, January 18th. Lots of great texts coming in. We'll get into those, but up next, Randeep Janda from right here at Sportsnet 650 joins me to talk Canucks uh, here on Canucks Talk on the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.